we thought this would be an exciting topic uh, to discuss with you. Um, I've, I've got the pleasure of uh, Michael Tannenbaum, CBO of Brex, joining me today. And so we're going to talk over the next 20 minutes really around how to create uh, effective and scalable uh, back office models and partnerships with uh, BPO service providers like WNS uh, that support fintechs like Brex. Yeah, excited to be here. Thank you so much, Alex, for having me. And thank you to Fintech Nexus for having both of us. So I'm going to start with a question to you, Michael. So tell me, why do you think uh, fintech is a category that tends to work closely with companies like WNS? Yeah, I think fintech, right by its nature, you're dealing with, of course, the, the, the intersection of finance and technology. And on the finance side, in particular, you're going to have a lot of regulation, right? It's a regulated industry, and it's one where um, that just naturally demands more operational intensity because you have KYC compliance requirements, you have often underwriting, money movement, and so things that just require more people and are more operational, right? It's not, there's the technology side of like a software, um, and typically that operations for a software company just means like customer support. It doesn't have all people that are, you know, doing these functions. But on the financial side of things, you have these more operationally intensive uh, tasks that are required to deliver a unit of revenue. And so because of that, I think as that scales, uh, you see fintechs often looking to partner with folks like yourself to outsource and, you know, improve these processes. Great. Thanks, Michael. As a follow-up question, from your perspective and your experience, when is the right time for a fintech to engage with a partner like WNS to provide business process management, analytic services, et cetera? Yeah, I think the, the way that I've always thought about these things is there's, a, at least in my experience at both Brex and at SoFi, there is a life cycle for operations. In the beginning, you typically, and this is also a little, a little bit different with remote work, um, but at least just, you know, prior to that, and we can talk about how that Im influences things. But normally, when you're just starting out as a company, as a young fintech, you want to have everything in-house. You want to really triage the bugs. You want to figure out, you want to hear what the people that are doing the processes are saying. And that informs your product roadmap, that informs your strategy, that informs the decisions that you make very closely. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, everything's sort of in-house, everything's typically you know, wherever you start. And obviously if you're a remote company, still you know, maybe the person's not in the office, but that's an in-house staff. And I think companies start to think about you know, needing outsourcing and more scale as processes become more repeatable. And you're at this point like just looking for scalability because things are growing and you're not changing that process or personnel or the way you do things or the technology that the people use materially uh, each quarter, say. And at that point, um, you know, which you could say maybe at the point where you have, in my experience, it's been like 20 to 25 people doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. That would be around the time I'd start to think. Of course, there's a lot that goes into contracting in this way, right? There's all the customer data and, and tooling and just making sure you have kind of the environment internally to support something like this. So that's been generally my experience, but I'd be curious from you 
to hear like, you know, when in the life cycle do you, do you guys typically engage for most of your customers? I just gave my personal opinion. Yeah, it's interesting the way that you uh, discuss how you're looking for feedback directly from the associates and people as you're scaling up. Um, we, we, we've seen a big inflection point uh, as a result of COVID. Um, and it's really two things. One of them is uh, there's, there's a greater amount of expertise that we're able to garner together, right? And once you get that critical mass and you already have a feeling and a view of where you're going to scale, you can see a trend line of your growth of your product portfolio, and then you recognize a need, right, for additional scalability as well as better engineering. So when we end up seeing um, a few points, one of them is when organizations realize, look, um, we want to continue to focus heavily uh, on growing our top line, growing our business, and then improving the quality of our experience. We see that as a point where fintechs and even, even regional banks and super regionals, et cetera, say, you know what, I probably want a better shop in the background. Right. Um, I want better structure. I want also a view on how I can reduce cost as a balancer. But it's not really always about that. A lot of it has to do with the quality of the customer experience, um, the effectiveness, and kind of see how you can infuse digitization in there as well. So all those things, right, ends up seeing, you end up seeing that trend line and that, that view from an office like yours, right, in your position like yours, a CEO saying, yes, you know, there's an opportunity to do more, to do better, and then to support our business more effectively, and really those become the inflection points. So it's really, it depends on the situation, but it really has to do with once uh, a fintech recognizes that need for that scalability and that engineering that they want to turn maybe to an expert to, to help them make that decision and uh, affect that talent war. Yeah, that makes sense. I think the other thing to think about is, of course, customer demands, whether that's the internal customer or it's your actual customer that you're interfacing with. I think one of the benefits that we've seen, you know, working with folks like yourself is you kind of have follow the sun model. So that can be, you know, as basic as you have customers in multiple time zones, like for Brex, right? We, people have fraud issues, they have transaction issues, they have problems. And when you have a problem on your credit card, it might not just be between nine to five or sure. even five to five, you know, 5 a.m. to 5 a.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Pacific, which would be common hours. Um, you know, you might have a problem on the weekend, you might have a problem at 1 a.m., right? And right. so I think that's just, it starts to become a challenge as a smaller fintech or even as a mid-sized fintech just to staff that way. And then you always got to have backups, right? And so as you start to get into these problems, it's quite natural. Um, and that's for the, your own customers, but then there's also internal customers, right? So I think accounting is a good example sure. of where, you know, if you want to just be on top of things at all times, you, it is helpful to have staff that's working overnight on different hours, right? And then things are done in the morning. And so that's, that's a common, a common need as well. That's maybe not as intuitive. And, and I think you raise a good point. Really. A lot of it has to do with consistency too and quality of experience. Right, and not to have variability across associates, to have someone who's going to expertly manage, train, and get the right talent, as well as help think through the, the future state model in terms of how do I help digitize this right, in partnership with your business. And it's a big part of going back to what some of the fintechs end up looking for from us. It's giving them that also, that balance between digitization and, and human-based talent. Right. That makes sense. So just to that point, right? So. What are your expectations from your vendor partners to help you, or what expectations do you have for your vendor partners to help you compete effectively as you grow and scale as, as Brex is doing now? 
Yeah, I think there's sort of the, 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 the things you'd expect around consistency and quality, right? Ideally, when you're, when you're working with a vendor partner in this nature, you want to feel as though the, that partner and your own internal staff are interchangeable and ideally, perhaps, superior. Mm -hmm. And I think in the fintech space specifically, because we're at Fintech Nexus, although it's hard to really see where we are given these lights, I, mean, <laughs> I can't see much. Um, but I, I assume we're still at Fintech Nexus. We are, yes. Good. It's not and, a metaverse uh, somewhere. Yes. And it seems like we might be in like almost heaven. Um, but if this is heaven, like I'm not sure. So anyway, uh, I think when, when you're fintech specifically, you also care about regulatory compliance, right? The reality is, is sure. either you're the, your direct regulators or the, or the folks that regulate your partners that you use, they are going to have certain requirements that things are done the correct way according to policy and procedure. That's very important. And so it's really important that you work with somebody who understands that, right? right? It's not, this is not just playing around. And so it's very important that if you say we're going to, like the people that are working on your processes, let's take KYC or onboarding, mm -hmm. which is a common problem across fintechs. If you're collecting four pieces of, of CIP, right, customer information, you, you, we, you hope that your uh, BPO partner understands that that's critical and sure. people are aware of what, what they're doing. Right. Yeah, I think that, that understanding that complexity, I think it's a big part of what we end up focusing on is uh, continuing to see where the puck is going to be, not where it is. Right. From our, as, as, does, you know, as does your business and everyone else, right? The idea is there for us to try and create talent solutions, scalability, availability, right, to meet those expected demands, right? So when you think about, right, um, you know, a lot of expected impending regulation that's going to come out from all the implosions when you think about FTX yes. or SVB or, you know, Signature, right, all those, right, what we've really been focusing on is how do we do more, how do we prepare for what we see coming down the road, and we've already seen some signals and, and demand as a function of that on, on both the commercial lending space and KYC AML, no question about it. Definitely. And are you seeing, from your perspective, though, because of all the increase, you know, you talk about the blow-ups, right? You have the S-Banks signature, SVB, right. Silvergate, yep. and then two Fs, First Republic and FTX. Yep. Um, luckily, Brex begins with B. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't think about the letters that way, right? <laughs> um, but when you see, are you seeing sort of increase or changes in clients' demand because of that? We are, like I was mentioning, right? Definitely in uh, how do we address risk most effectively? Um, really, a lot more need to look at greater scrutiny from a commercial underwriting perspective. Definitely from risk operations, everything. There's a, a lot more that we've been asked to do even over the last few months with existing clients and new clients, um, really around uh, the fin crime space, whether it's transaction monitoring, KYC, AML, sanction screening, et cetera, um, just because of those implosions, right? Just looking at the entire portfolio and the risk that these fintechs or banks want to take on and really understanding more of are they, how exposed are they and how exposed do they want to be. They certainly want to look at their existing portfolio but also going forward, they have to continue to grow and scale. So they've been looking to us to see where else we can help with that need for talent and that availability. But it brings me to a good question, right? Um, 
in terms of scaling um, with, uh, with the recent collapse of SVB and the, the billions Brex received in deposits, what did Brex do to rapidly address the new customer, um, new customer scale? Yeah, I think we did a lot of things, and I think this is a, a good example of where have you know this is where you want to have this business continuity. You want to have relationships, um, you know, like the one we have with WNS, because right as SVB, you know, started to unfold, it became very clear probably as early as that Wednesday, at least at Brex, um, you know, that things were different, a lot of volume coming in, a lot of people opening up new accounts, a lot of nervousness in the market. And so we had to scale up, you know, rapidly, right? We don't normally have activities like that or that kind of volume. And so being prepared and having the operating procedures, having the relationship, having, you know, the ability to flex with someone like yourself who can help add resourcing, not just on customer support, but also on all the areas that we talked about, operational, money movement, you know, compliance, and KYC. And so having that ability to do was super important. So we really focused first on you know, meeting the immediate needs of customers, onboarding new customers that were looking for a new account. Um, you know, at that time, it was not clear, especially on that Friday, whether people were going to have access to their money. So everybody was rushing to open new accounts and, and, and try and move their money. Um, and then we, you know, we also focused on getting out emergency payroll loans to our customers because there was a, a, a strong sense, at least over the weekend, that people were not going to be able to access their accounts to make payroll. And so we were thinking, okay, well, how do we make loans to people to do that? And of course, you know, we don't typically create a new loan product over the weekend, come up with underwriting, come up with onboarding sure. and review and all that. And so, again, that's where you need to have these kind of resources. And when you're thinking about continuity and, and emergency management, this is, you know, these are precisely the situations that you, you think about. Apart from events like that that, that you mentioned, um, we were talking about SVB, um, just considering that, you know, when we talked about all the other the banks that have been impacted, and the whole changing of environment, how has that potentially changed your perspective on operations as your role as a COO? Yeah, I think, so I've always, since I've been in charge of operations at Brex, I have focused on a few areas, one of which um, has always been like maintaining what I call our, our risk management brand, meaning like ultimately when people are trusting you with your money, um, they your your risk management brand is kind of is very important, right? That's it's very different if you're as a fintech, right? Again, fintech nexus, right? We're here because we actually are asking people to trust us with their money. So that's why sometimes when I see fintech early stage fintech websites and they have like, oh, this is our company dog, you know, on the website, and sure. we all call each other, you know, pet names and stuff. I'm like, like it's fine. But I think just remember you're asking people to trust you with your money. Right. So I think with Brex, it was that paid off, right? These sure. things pay off over time. So sure. it's actually quite natural that when SVB went down, people would be like, well, I'm looking for like JP Morgan. And of course, many people were, sure. right? But at the same time, some people were looking for Brex because fintechs have to compete on both, right? We, you know, part of the company dog and sort of that thing is that you can compete on tech and speed. And so you want to you want to balance tech and speed with trust and security and safety. Sure. And I think that 
you know, if Brex didn't have that, if we had been, you know, leaned into a different brand that wasn't associated with risk management, I don't think, you know, billions of dollars would have flown to, would have fled to us. I mm -hmm. think they would have said, well, I'm nervous and Brex seems like it's the next thing to go down, so I don't want to go there. And I think that, you know, that speaks to the investments that we make long term. And, and you never know with, with crises or with anything with operations, right? You're, you don't really, you're prepare, you, you prepare your whole life for those moments. That's, that's what makes the careers, right? And so you don't really know until they come. Sure. So we are running well on time. We have about three minutes. Just wonder if there's questions from the audience that we can answer. We won't be able to see if you have a question because we can't see. Stand up and raise your hand. Yeah, I think the, the question, yeah, I'll repeat the question. The question's about Wirecard, and, and, um, which was the German payments processor that a lot of fintechs use. Look, I think it speaks to issues of redundancy, right? When you're building your fintechs, you never want to be reliant on one partner. And the reality is, is, you know, from this perspective, much to Alex's chagrin, you know, we have multiple partners, right? Sure. And that, that's the, that's always been a strategy. Of course, you have to balance this when you're a six person company, right? You can't have redundancy on everything. Sure. Everything with risk management is balancing, you know, when, when do you have something to gain versus something to protect? And that changes as your company gets bigger. Um, but I think that speaks to an example of, look, people that had their entire operations on SVB, there was a time when Brex was entirely on SVB, and it would have been a very different weekend yeah. uh, had that been the case, but we didn't, right? We had backups and different things, um, and I think that's with Wirecard. Of course, you know, you want to be thoughtful about the vendors that you pick early on, um, and I think at the same time, and you know, it's kind of like you don't want to use fintechs for everything and you don't want to use non-fintechs for everything because fintechs can be bought and can fail and non-fintechs to, to the point back there can be super difficult. So you got to always be thinking about these things. Yeah. I think from a service provider perspective, right, uh, again, we have a diverse portfolio. Banking is not the only industry we support. We support insurance, which is a big industry for us, travel, healthcare, manufacturing, right, uh, a number of them, hospitality, and for us, there's diversification there too from a vendor side, which only helps support then too, right, situations or, or customers like Brexo that we're not single-threaded either, right? And we have diversification not just across the single services in industry, there's multiple service industry, as well as multiple industries and, and multiple functions that we provide service for. So I think in that way, right, we've also provided that hedge risk. Want to just take the mic? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a screech. So my other final question is, we, uh, we've, and we heard about it earlier in the day as well, what's happening in terms of funding and funding at sort of the later stages as, as well as the early stages. Is the current tightening in terms of the funding impacting service model um, growth or expansion or uh, you know, making, making sure everything is what you want it to be? And, and if so, can people ride this out until the, the money comes back into the system? Probably a good question for you, I would think, in terms of, I mean, my guess would be, look, I'll be honest about Brex, right? As the market has gotten tougher, we've absolutely looked to see where are areas that we can cut costs, and it'd be very natural to look at BPO partners. That the reality is cost savings is a huge part of it. Yeah, I mean, from the way we look at that, too, uh, it actually has... It's 
make us, it's made us look at risk as well, more so on from a customer perspective. Obviously, we're always doing our due diligence contractually. We're affecting that, right? Um, so that there's, you know, I mean, there's mutual risk um, satisfied, right? Most, you know, those relationships are both risk averse, but at the same way, we're also quite cautious uh, where we're looking at where the funding is coming from, from entities that have not gone public as well. And we wanna make sure that there's going to be continuity there. Because, I mean, we have an obligation as well for our people, not just for the service we provide, but also we're providing careers for people. So the reason we can bring expertise to the table is because people are with us for 10, 15, 20 years and have built up a career, that's the expertise that we end up bringing to the table. So we don't operate as you know a staff augmentation shop for that reason. So in that way, we're looking to see also Right? What's, what do we see as a going, are there going concern issues? Do we see that there's gonna be longevity here and how comfortable we are? And we look at that from a risk, uh, risk perspective as well as InfoSec. Thank you, it's a great question. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the other, just in terms of the funding environment, um, I think that you are, you're gonna see increased needs for outsourcing and, 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 and things like that, but at the same time, you know, the advice that I give to companies and that we, we practice at Breck is like, you can't cut your way out right. of, right. Uh, you know, a, mar a bad market. You can't cut your way to profitability. Right. I mean, you can if you're, but it's pretty unusual. I think in this market and, and you know, the, the market, the reason why you come to a conference like this that you start a FinTech is not to cut your way uh, to profitability. It's generally to grow. So you, I think you gotta balance those two things. Yeah, and as I mentioned before, right, on the flip side of that, um, when you look at when you look at companies that are you know that are have their Series B or Series C funding as well, right? Their investors, their private equities uh, that are you know fund, that are funding them, they're also looking to make sure that whatever we were looking at within their portfolio, they're getting greater scrutiny. So I mentioned before, right around our say commercial underwriting or the greater need and demand for risk ops and KYC AML that has gone significantly. Uh, that has grown significantly over the last, I'd say, six months. And it'll continue to grow, right, as we have this further regulation that we expect to see, right, across the entire market, whether it's crypto or fintech overall. Yep. We do, in my opinion. <laughs> I think sometimes due diligence has been a little bit light. <laughs> Anybody else? No? Thank you both for Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you so much. Us. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.